And so when I realized how much I've been forgiven, then I realized how much God loves me. Welcome to the 30 Second Book Club podcast, a place for people who want to read more books and be in a book club but don't really have time to do either. And after a little break for Thanksgiving and our fundraiser here at the station that I work at, 98.5 KTIS, we're back with something just in time for Christmas. This is a great book, a devotional book that maybe you want to give for somebody uh, that you want to help increase their faith uh, over the Christmas season. Maybe this is for you as well. It's called Jesus in Red, 365 Meditations on the Words of Jesus. And it's written by evangelist Ray Comfort. And Ray, as you looked at all the different things that Jesus said in the Bible, I'm sure there's some things that maybe stood out to you for the very first time. Yeah, and and that's because not only the words of Jesus in red, but they're isolated. I had the idea to take away anything that distracted, obviously encouraging people to read Scripture in context, but taking away everything that would distract us from the sobriety of what he was saying. You know, we, uh, our fire extinguishers are red, our fire engines are red, our exits are red, our stop signs are red because red alerts us. And man learned that by copying God. God made our blood red. And when we see blood, it always alarms us. And if anything should alarm us, it's the words of Jesus because never a man spoke like this man. Never a man said the things that this man said, as Scripture says. And so it's, it's absolutely thrilling to isolate those words. And you're right, when you see them, by themselves, they speak volumes. If somebody says to you, because you, you, you share, um, you're always really good about sharing Jesus with others. Well, let's start here. For people that have a difficulty um, sharing their faith with others, what would you say to them as someone, you know, you do it pretty regularly. Yeah, I go out twice a day uh, into a local college. I ride a bike with a platform on the bike and my small white dog is wearing sunglasses. I'm wearing sunglasses and it creates attention. Women yell out, how cute, and I call back, so is the dog. And yet, <laughs> <laughs> my dog is my, uh, my bait when I go fishing for men. But I've learned something that dissipates my fears. It's one question, and when I meet a stranger, I say, can I ask you a question? Do you think there's an afterlife? Now, that, I didn't mention Jesus, God, heaven, hell, the Bible, sin, righteousness, or judgment, or all these things that make us feel uncomfortable, and then I just said, do you think there's an afterlife? And most people say, uh, I, I don't know. So, well, do you think about it much? And they say, all the time. And there, all the time, dissipates my fears because I realize this isn't the Antichrist. He hasn't stabbed me. He's a human being that has the same fears and concerns that I have about life and death. And so I say, well, do you think heaven exists? And they say, oh, I'm not sure. Are you good enough to go there? And they say, I hope so. And so, well, let's see if you are. Let's go through some of the Ten Commandments and see if you're a good person. And then we go through the commandments and find out lust is adultery in God's eyes, hatred is murder, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, and no thief will inherit God's kingdom. And it shows the person they're not going to make it on their own, and they need a Savior, and that's when the cross makes sense. We've got a YouTube channel with 91 million views, and each day we put up a new video. There's no advertising, there's no income for us. But by watching it, you can see how atheists backslide. People who don't think about God suddenly begin thinking about him. And watching it again and again, different people, you realize it's not as scary as what you think. Mm. So cool. We're talking to Evangelist Ray Comfort. Okay, so let's get into the book now, Jesus in Red. And uh, there's so many incredible little tidbits on here. So as you were just talking about, you know, you sharing Jesus every day and going to college campuses, uh, this must be kind of something that you have to walk the line a little bit you know, preaching the truth and love. You talk about what Jesus says in Luke 6.26. Yeah, the key is to address the conscience. If you address the intellect, you're going to get arguments. 
The intellect is the place of contention. Romans 8 verse 7 says that. It says the carnal mind is enmity against God, evidenced by the fact that human beings use their creator's name as a cuss word. No one in history has had their name used as a cuss word except Jesus and God. And that's because people hate God's moral law. That's what it says in Romans 8 verse 7. They don't like the thought of moral accountability to God. So the way to reach them is to address the conscience, as Jesus did in Mark 10, verse 17, as Paul did in Romans chapter 2. When you address the conscience, it bears witness. And the way to address the conscience is just say, do you think you're a good person? Let's go through those commandments. Because the work of the law is written on their heart, the conscience bears witness. It's an accusing judge on the courtroom of the mind. It's an ally right in the heart of the enemy. And it's the key to reasoning with people about their eternal salvation. You know, when you meet an atheist, you can be somewhat intimidated to think this person's an intellectual. It's actually foolish to believe that. Now, the opposite. The Bible says someone who's an atheist is actually a fool according to the Bible. An atheist believes the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything. That's ridiculous. And when you point that out to an atheist and just say, do you really believe that nothing created everything that's scientifically impossible the mouths go like a road tunnel and they say well i I don't believe it was nothing there was something they say well it was just something but you don't believe it was god yeah that's it well let's try and find out why you don't want it to be god and when you go through the commandments you find that it's a moral issue not an intellectual issue they don't want to find god for the same reason a thief doesn't want to find a policeman Another um, devotion from your book, Jesus, your devotional Jesus in Red, you talk about Luke 6, 29, uh, to him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also, and from someone who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. What do you think that verse from Jesus means? Very powerful in our everyday life. Yeah, it doesn't mean don't protect your family against an intruder that's trying to kill them. It just means in personal grievances, when someone upsets you, Show them love and kindness. What I have a habit of doing is if somebody says something horrible about me that isn't true, I find out their address and send them a gift basket. And that's what it means to turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you. And when when someone persecutes me, I go somewhere quiet and do what Luke chapter 6 says. It says, leap for joy when that happens. And so I actually physically leap for joy, show kindness, and it makes sure I'm not bitter and angry against people, and it speaks volumes. A a gift like that is worth a a thousand sermons. And then you talk about extending mercy in Luke 747. The woman, I believe the 747, the woman at the well, she says, Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. The key to showing mercy is to see your own sinful condition before God. You know, when I became a Christian, I thought sin was really bad. But after a lifetime of being a Christian, I realized my heart is, as the Bible says, deceitfully wicked. Most I fear God. Next, I fear my own heart because I'm so susceptible to lust and selfishness and greed and envy and jealousy. And so when I realized how much I've been forgiven, then I realized how much God loves me. And that helps me extend mercy to others. When someone is caught in adultery, uh, I'm not wanting to stone them to death. I don't lift up my hand with a stone in it. I uh, extend mercy as Jesus did to the woman caught in the act of adultery. And that's the essence of being a Christian. You show love and kindness and mercy to other people. And that can be a very, very powerful witness uh, to con- come alongside someone who's fallen into sin and lift them up and say, you know, God can forgive you. And he'll, he'll as, the, as the Bible says, create a clean heart in you. That's the miracle of, of conversion, the new birth. 
is God will give you a personal miracle. People are saying, show me a sign. Well, if you want a sign, do what the Bible says, and God will break, make you brand new on the inside. So instead of drinking iniquity like water, you'll thirst for righteousness. And that's a miracle for a sin-loving sinner, a personal miracle that will last you through eternity. Talking about denying self, I think this is another, this is what's so great about um, this devotional is, is you unpack so many verses where I think people don't quite maybe understand exactly what Jesus is trying to say or what that looks like in our life. So how about you talk a little bit about when Jesus talks about denying ourselves if we want to come after Jesus and take up the cross, our cross daily, what does that look like? Well, each of us should have a Gethsemane experience. Every Christian should have dropped to his knees, sweat drops of blood through genuine repentance, let his laughter be turned to mourning and his joy to happiness, and then said, not my will, but yours be done. That's the key to successful living, giving up your own will, presenting your body as a, a, a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to God, which is your reasonable service. But self-denial isn't something that's bad. It's, no, I don't want to have to deny myself. Oh, look, my refrigerator calls my name every day. I could wake up any time in the middle of the night, 1.30 in the morning, have a steak and eggs. No problem at all. My appetite's like a beast that's never satisfied. If I don't pull in the reins, I'm going to become a beast. I'm going to end up with all sorts of diseases. So denying yourself, that is having self-control, is a great favor that you can do to yourself, especially in the area of lust. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of the issues of life. If you let sexual imaginations get into your heart, it won't be long until you're trying to fulfill those desires and you'll cause great tragedy. You, you, we need to learn a lesson from David who lost the fear of God, looked at Bathsheba, lusted after her, took her, got her pregnant, killed her husband and brought reproach on the name of God and God's wrath upon himself and almost destroyed his entire ministry. We learn a lesson from that and back up and guard the heart because that's where everything starts. All right, one more question talking about, you know, we've talked a lot about you know, committing ourselves to God and denying ourselves. And sometimes I think uh, this world, and I'm sure you see this, especially talking to college students on college campuses, there really is a, I think, a self-confidence crisis where people just, uh, with maybe it's the struggles of social media and always having to look like you have it all together, where people uh, maybe don't really have a lot of confidence in themselves or see their own value. But you talk about that in your devotional uh, in Luke 12, 6 and 7, as Jesus talks about, you know, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. You're more value than the sparrows. How do we recognize our value as God's creation? Well, this generation has been taught they're nothing but the result of an explosion in space. No reason, no rhyme. Uh, they're just mere primates. I asked um, quite a few students on camera, I say, do you think you're lost? Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. I say, no, I'm not lost. So well, let me ask you, what are your origins? Where do we come from? Uh, science hasn't discovered that. What's the purpose of man's existence on earth? I don't, I don't mean what he does, but why, why is he here? What's the purpose? Well, I don't really know. So what's going to happen to you after you die? I don't know. So I say, well, you don't know where you come from, don't know what you're doing here, don't know where you're going. You are lost. And you're not just a mere primate. You're not the result of an explosion from space. You're a creation of God made in his image. You're separate from the animals with the knowledge of right and wrong. Animals don't set up court systems. Man is unique because he's made in the image of his creator. And the Bible says every hair of your head is numbered by God. You know, we, we just have to think about God for one moment. How could God know how many hairs are upon a head? Well, he knows every atom that makes every hair on the head. He knows intimately 
the insides of that atom because he created it. He's omniscient. He sees all things. That should make us, someone who's a Christian, have great comfort to know that God sees all things. But if you're not a Christian, your sins are exposed to God. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows the thoughts of your heart. He sees what you do in darkness. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. And you better flee to the Savior to have your sins forgiven before the day of judgment. And once you're right with God, you can look at those common old sparrows. You can't even tell the difference between them and know that God knows every one of those sparrows. He knows when they fall and you're of greater value than any of those sparrows, than all the sparrows. And it's been proved the value of your soul by God sending Christ to die for our sins. God commanded his love toward us and that while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. Jesus in Red is the name of the devotional. It's uh, by Ray Comfort. Ray, um, if, if someone wants to find out more about your ministry in the YouTube videos you post uh, every single day, well, how can they uh, find out more? Livingwaters.com is our uh, channel. You just go to uh, YouTube, type in Living Waters, and it will come up. And Livingwaters.com is where you can get free material, free tapes, free audios, and you can get the book from Amazon.com or Livingwaters.com. I don't think there's any way to truly prepare for this as an adult when you have to start taking care of your adult parents. But there's a book to help you out with that. It's called Cruising Through Caregiving. And whether you're starting the journey or maybe you're in the middle of it right now, a lot of great insight is coming up for you next week here on the 32nd Book Club.